I'm Peter Jones, and welcome to the Foyne Jones Show. This podcast will be combining personality, passion, and our love of football, alongside industry and recruitment news. Our amazing guests will share their personal stories and also explain what they get up to when they're not at work. Welcome to today's episode of the Foy and Jones Show. It's a bonus episode, Callum, yeah, isn't it? Bonus episode. We said the Foy and Jones Show Series 2 would only be 10 episodes, but in my normal style, we're going for episode 11. Welcome to the studio, Phil Ashford and Bennett McCartney from Enterprise Exchange. How are you? Good morning, very well. Good morning, thanks for having us. You survived the traffic training challenge on the way of field, didn't you? Just about, bus on fire on the A27. Bus on fire. Can't so be that Callum, on a Monday. Callum was in that same traffic. He, he ran and just said, oh, there's bad traffic, right? So I don't believe him, okay? Because <laughs> I do believe you, Callum, I'm joking. Yeah, Phil comes in, me and Ben have been here, we've been prepping the show, we've done our pre-show meeting, we've gone through everything, we've got, we spoke about dress agencies in Fulham. Brighton and Salt Dean, you've come in and said the bus was on fire. You're just like, you've just got chunks to say, haven't you? Yeah, that's all we So we, we've got a lot to talk about in this episode, and, and it's really interesting for me because it's not really going to be Foyne Jones recruitment and my sector related, but it is going to be entrepreneurial related. It is going to be about people making something of themselves. And I guess to set the scene, we can very quickly say that you were the guys involved in the, the brilliant Ross Kemp series, HMP Belmarsh. That's right. We're going to bring that to life in part of the show as well, aren't we? Excellent. Ready to go? Yeah. Ready to go. So, I want to give the listeners just an understanding of who's here. So... Phil and Ben, I just want you to take a couple of minutes each just to introduce yourself. Phil, I know you want to go first, so normally, <laughs> Ben, I would say ladies first, but I don't think we can hold him back. So, Phil, just give us an idea of who you are, where you're from, what you've been doing the last few years, and why all of a sudden you've you walked back into my life and you're here. Absolutely. Thank mm-hmm. you, Peter. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm um, co-founder, director of Enterprise Exchange. Uh, we're a very specialist agency that help people with additional barriers start up businesses. So we do a lot of work in prisons, uh, we do a lot of work with ex-offenders, we work with the long-term unemployed, people with mental health issues, because um, you find that what they call mainstream business support isn't fit for purpose. Mm. And also, the client groups that I'm talking about, self-employment could be a really, really good way of um, them progressing. So for example, if you've been in prison, it's very hard to get a job because you've got a criminal record. But if you're starting your own business, that doesn't matter so much. So if you've got a mental health issue, you can do your work around your condition, not the other way around. Mm. So we've been doing that for about 10 years. Um, I was a business advisor for an organization called Business Link. And I ran a very specific service called the East Sussex Enterprise Gateway, which was effectively doing what we do now. And when our when the funding for that went and that service finished, um, I met and had a chat with Benner. So I think I'll probably hand over to you now. Okay, great. great link there, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> that was about that. You think oh, it was rehearsed? It's pretty smooth, yeah. wasn't it, Benner? <laughs> no, no pressure, Benner. <laughs> Yeah, so I was working for Chichester College, it was something called the C Project, and I was helping pre-pre-start, so it was like Phil was helping pre-start, 
and we just kind of randomly got to know each other because we didn't realize we were working in buildings right next door to each other in New Haven which was really odd and we both got individually taken into asked to go into Lewis prison by an amazing guy called John Orr who's um, retired now and he just said we really need your services in here to both of us separately then we both got made redundant really randomly at the same time and by then we'd met up and we just got on really really well and so I kind of went well there's a gap in the market here so why don't we give it a go why don't we set up our own business being pretty clueless I have had eight businesses since I was 18 but I still feel pretty clueless in that department so yeah that's how it began Fantastic. And it's interesting, the, the word redundancy, okay, so so that's a word that we encounter quite a lot in, yeah. in, the, in the empire of Foyne Jones, because we're dealing with businesses that are faced, you know, are facing situations where they have to make people redundant, we're, we're helping people during that time for change to try and improve the employability, and sometimes, you know, it can be a blessing, not a curse, because you can use it to reevaluate. you can come out of it much stronger, but that initial time, and we, we dealt with some real tough situations just um, just pre Christmas, which, you know, for us, you you uh, you're a, you're you're a, you're you're, a, you're, a, you're a, we will listen, we will be a sounding board, we will try and help people, you know, upskill themselves to, to get back onto the ride. But you're working with limited resources because we're only working with the positions we've got and the companies we're working in, and ultimately, ninety five percent of what we do will be disappointing for, for someone who's in that situation. Mm unless they're of that magical 5% where they match a project we've got and they match a vacancy. But if we can get them coming out of the Foyne Jones experience where they're feeling more confident, they've maybe got a boosted social media profile, they've got a, you know, an idea of how they can unlock the job market that they can see in the hidden job market, but more importantly, understand how to reach out to target employers, we've made a difference. You take that a huge step further, I guess, don't you, if you're going into people that are coming out of a custodial sentence and they're looking to do things better for themselves, that must be powerful for lots of different reasons. Where where do you draw your inspiration for that, Phil? Um, I think, we, as I say, Benna and I went into the prison separately and we sat with a group of lads who were on a business course. Yeah. And I had all the same prejudices and misconceptions about what prison is and what prisoners are, etc., and within that half an hour of talking to them, I thought, these guys, they've really got something about them. And they're very much the forgotten people. People don't really, you know, people in prison are very hidden away. And what we did is we never pretended we knew it all. So mm. the first thing we did is we did some market research. So we got a group of lads in HMP Lewis and a group of lads in HMP Ford. And we went in there and we just asked them one question. And it was, if you were going to go self-employed, what help would you need? And suddenly all this stuff started to come out. So a lot of them have been excluded at school at 14. So to go back into that sort of academic classroom environment, that wasn't what they're interested in. They didn't want to know how Richard Branson does his branding. They wanted to know how as a painter and decorator do I get myself out there and market myself cheaply. They wanted real practical step-by-step -step help. Also, a lot of people going to a prison might go on a good course, they get no support on the out. Another thing that came through loud and clear was the self-esteem and confidence issues. I always say sometimes the most loudest ones on the course are normally the most vulnerable. Yeah. Um, so we put a program together all based on that. So everything that we do with the guys is based on what those needs are. So that's where that sort of inspiration originally came from. Just from my perspective, so, yeah. so we, we know each other, Phil. Yeah. So I'm going to talk from the heart here. I got involved... Um, 
Probably I didn't spend enough time as I would like to, but was it 2012, 2011? Yeah, yeah. Maybe 2012, I think it was. So so I got involved. I saw something where, you know, at, at Lewis Prison, you were looking for business owners, entrepreneurs, people that could tell a story to go in and give some time up. And and I remember saying, yeah, I fancy that. You know, I, I really do. I, I think I could offer something. And and I remember the shall I, shan't I, well, am I relevant? You know, would they be interesting? Well, yeah, am I interesting? You know, um, but... Coming in and, and meeting you and, and spending that, that afternoon there, you know, I think that was one of the most, and I, t I talk about this a lot, Callum will know and the, the girls out there will know, I talk about this in terms of presentations. I've done big gigs, you know, I've done yeah. big speaking gigs to two, three, four thousand people. I've done really intimate gigs, you know, where you're, where you're working on a one-to-one -one or two-to-one basis, better like some of the things you do. That, in terms of an experience for me, and we'll probably come on to it a bit later, but I've got an emotional attachment to it anyway. I, I left there, leaving that room with like 29 handshakes and one bear hug with some real characters. <laughs> Fact, some people in there were more intelligent than me. They were more, you know, they, they had more business sense than me, more common sense than me, but perhaps they turned left where I turned right. And the, the upbringings, the background, there were some people there that I just thought, wow, you know, that could be my best mate, that could be my brother, could be my kid sitting there. God forbid, in a few years, if they take the wrong advice and the wrong turn, I come out of there genuinely thinking, well, I, if I can make, if I made just a little difference, that was brilliant, but it was powerful, mate, and and that's always stayed with me that you can actually give something there, and you said it there, you know, we don't care about the apprentice, we don't care about about sort of the real success stories. You're talking on a local level. Can you give these individuals the tools to actually earn enough money? to stay on the straight and narrow and make the right decisions. And, and I think you've been doing that, haven't you? Definitely. And um, we also got quite a bit of inspiration from an organisation called the Centre for Entrepreneurship. And they released a research report called Inmates to Entrepreneurs, where they went really deep into the research on will self-employment and entrepreneurship help people in prison. And what they came out with was, one, that a lot of people in prison are naturally entrepreneurial. Yeah. Um, I always say some of the drug dealers I've met have been some of the best business people I've ever known. They just need to do it in a legal way. Yeah. Um, oh, some of, the, some of the, the, the real, you know, dare we say it, some of the real successful, yeah. successful some of the real multi-million pound criminal empires are based on some of the strongest business minds you would ever 100%. see. Yeah, 100%. And what they also put in the report was it costs something like 45 grand to keep someone in prison for a year. So if you can keep someone out for one year, just investing that little bit of time and helping you start the business is actually very good for the economy and it's good for saving public money. Uh, and we're on page 44 of that report, by the way, because we're a case study. Um, but again, you know, the facts behind it proves, proves the case. Mm. And it is breaking down barriers, isn't it? Because, you know, you, you go into the, the prison environment. I mean, my, my, my journey into that, that time at Lewis, you know, you are... You, you are walking into a, a custodial centre. So, you know, it's not welcoming, it's not friendly. You know, you are being treated, you know, quite aggressively at times, to be fair, but, you know, that's fair enough. So you come the other side, and, and I remember sitting outside, I was with you, we were sitting outside the room, and the guy was finishing off, and uh, bless him, it didn't look like that was going that well that session, did it? And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, thanks for this, Phil, this looks fun, do you know what I mean? So, um, and, and I walked out, I thought, I'm not even, gonna, I'm just going to sit on this desk. And I, I sat on the desk, not behind it, or stood up, and I remember sitting there, and uh, it feels like you'll be all right. Go on, just be yourself. Yeah, be yourself. Yeah, definitely. You know, don't talk about Fulham. Whatever you do. So, <laughs> so first thing I said is I'm from Fulham. I'm, uh, uh, and and yeah, I do have an emotional attachment to, to Lewis Prison. My, my granddad, God rest his soul, was a character. 
probably one of those London villains of days gone by. I've told this story so many times, so it's not breaking news for listeners. They they know it. I talk about it, but he taught me lots of things, and and also learned from him things I didn't want to be as well because I saw the I saw the impact of having lots of stuff and then having nothing, and then that that sheer terror when someone you love's been you know he's not there no more. So so I saw that, but. Um, towards the end of his very last sentence, he was in Lewis Prison, and that was the only, I didn't even know Lewis existed, I was a young kid, mm-hmm. but we went on this big adventure, you know, trains and buses to mm-hmm. down to Brighton, across to Lewis, yeah, to, yeah. to here, to spend about 20 minutes with him, to go all the way back, but but Lewis was quite dear to my heart, and, and that was kind of, look, look, and I remember saying, look boys, you know, I'm from a council estate, I, I grew up, you know, without my mum and dad, my nan and granddad brought me up, my granddad ended up in here, I could have ended up in here, my mates are in places like this now, and it kind of got the room on board a little bit, there was a few, that, like in any meeting man, there's always someone that you've got you to play the game a bit, but but genuinely, when when they started telling their stories and, and you got some contribution, there was some sharp brains in there. But in that Lewis programme that we did, we had, I think it came out around 25% success rate of someone going into work or into self-employment. Um, I'll let Benna talk to you about one of our clients and we had an email from him after the TV program. Um, but yeah, so it's around about 25%. But often when they come out of prison, whether they're successful or not, they don't want to engage with anything that involved that prison before. So sometimes you don't hear from them when they get out. So there's a lot that we don't know. But um, our case studies have been really, really positive. Really positive. Do you want to speak about yeah, I won't say his name, but one guy no. that we worked with from the very beginning when we were first in Lewis, mm. and just a really lovely guy, but pretty like you were saying when you went in, some guys yeah. are just a bit harder to get to, and mm. I had quite a few one-to-ones with him, and we just really saw over time, he literally sort of sat at the back, was really shy, didn't really say anything, didn't really engage with the other guys, but he was just, I could really see there was something there, and he was a really sweet guy sat down with him to have a few one-to-ones and over time slowly we kind of got to the point where we were saying I'm really interested in this I really like doing that and so yeah we really supported him with his business idea and he just kept getting because he'd been in and out of prison all his life and Mm. he just kept getting so many sort of negative well everything he's had in his life had been negative on some level or another and with um, the prison officers I think as well he was getting like real negativity so we spoke to loads of them about it and he was they were going oh he's because he's getting out he was getting out well he'll be back in two weeks and he was back in six weeks but yeah so it was just one of those situations where we were Mm. like I don't know you know you just don't know you think that you're doing a really good job and you just don't know how it's going to pan out to cut a long story short he did come out and come back in again a couple of times while we were there and then he eventually got out and I was meeting him on the outside and there were so many times where I was really worried about his mental health I didn't know what was going to happen I thought he was going to go back and he was going I'm not going back in you've helped you guys have helped me so much I'm not going back in I'm not going back in how many years later 10 years later he's not back in we got an email from him recently that literally nearly brought me to tears he just said I'm absolutely sorted I've now got a relationship I've got a kid I'm loving life like I'm never going back there and just thank you again for everything you did Amazing. I saw that email. I, I yeah. think, I'm sure I saw yeah. that email, and that's that, that's really powerful because that's where you can make a difference. And and you know that you are right. There'll be people that you help that don't stay in touch. There'll be people that you help that don't want to be helped. That's that's standard. Yeah. But you can't stop trying, can you? Yeah. You can't stop trying. Would I be able to just do one little one finish, little though. case study just yeah. for one? Um, we've run a program called Restart up at HMP Birmingham, mm-hmm. which is one of the toughest prisons in the country. And what we do in, in collaboration with a charity called Beating Time, um, who do choirs in prisons, the guys have to do 12 weeks of choir 
and in the middle they get the self-employment training and at the end of it they have to do a concert where they present their business idea and sing some songs and all the rest of it and it's absolutely amazing and when we do it again we'll definitely invite you along to that i think it will blow you away but one of the guys there he's actually still inside but he's started a recruitment agency so what he's doing he's getting the lads who are actually in prison training them up cvs all the rest of it he's got a network of employers so they come in and interview the guys he's doing it all from inside and he's already got five people into jobs which is off the scale and you'll love the name of his business. It's called Inside Job. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the point of that is a lot of them have quite a social purpose. They actually want to give something back. And that seems to be coming through more and more. Very much so, yeah. I'd love to hear more about that. I mean, that's, that, that's just... That, to be fair, you know, you can... And, 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 I've, and, I've, and I've thought about this a lot. It's, you know, when you've got those periods of isolation or then periods where, you know, you're not, you're, you've got individuals on their own or within their cells and their cells... That you can actually give them something then, you know. That that's a time when you can. Yeah. That that's a time when you can maybe get get in touch with some of them or, or get them the ones that are thinking that way to channel the mind in the in the right way. Mm. Definitely can. What a great insight. On the 19th of April 2020, I will be getting my trainers on and running 42 kilometres for Chestnut Tree House. So why Chestnut Tree House? Before recording this podcast, myself and Peter were lucky enough to have a tour of the house, and the work they do there is nothing short of incredible. I found it amazing how something so heartbreaking could be turned into something so positive. It doesn't seem like a hospice at all. It feels like a beautiful home. So please help us raise funds for this awesome cause at justgiving.com forward slash Jones 2020. We are Foyne Jones, supporting Chestnut Tree House for the now. So, Callum knows this, but the listeners won't know it. There's a reason that Phil Ashford, joined by Ben, is in the studio today. Um, I was sitting down with my with my boys, and uh, they said, come on, Dad, Ross Kemp's on, new series, come on. I'm like, where is he? Is he in Afghanistan? You know, is he in South, South America? Where is he this time? What's he up to? Uh, no, he's in Belmarsh. Come on, we watch this one. This will be good. So I sit down, I'm watching it, I'm sort of watching it, Phil, I don't want to say I'm, I'm really watching it, but it's on in the background and I'm there, and up you pop, <laughs> up you pop on the telly and I'm going, like a bad I'm going like, I know him, and, and they're going, yeah, right, Dad, I'm going, no, 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 I do, that's Phil, you know, do you remember when, I, and they, they were 10 years ago, so they were like, what, uh, 11, and, and, uh, 11 and 8, or 11 and 7 when that, when that happened, so... So, so I'm going, yeah, yeah, you know, about 2010, 2011, I was doing some stuff with it. Well, I went to Lewis, and they're looking at me going, no, you won't remember. Jane, so I'm shouting, my, my wife, she what? I'm like, do you remember running to Lewis? She said, yeah, yeah, I remember you went in there. I said, and she said, yeah. I said, that's Phil, that's Phil. And she's going, okay, right. Well, I said, but look, look, he's with Ron, no, what's going on? And, and then I'm like, I'm in, you know, I'm into the show. And I'm thinking, wow, one, like, I was so pleased to see you were still doing it, because... Our last conversation was like we can't do anything more at Lewis Prison because the funding was pulled and it's all a bit of a nightmare. I remember that. So I was so pleased to see you were doing it. But tell me how you go from that point in, let's say it was 2012, to being the star of the show, mate. How does that happen? Yeah, it was sort of a, a few sort of coincidences along the way. It's probably about six years ago I met up with a freelance uh, sort of TV producer person and they said, look, we're looking to do some stuff in prison. Would you guys be interested? We haven't got funding to do it yet. 
And we said, yeah, we might be interested, sort of let us know. And then last year, that same person came to us and said, um, I've been, we've now got the funding from ITV. Ross Kemp's doing this documentary in Belmarsh. Do you want to run your self-employment programme in there? And me and Bedder had a long think about it, but we decided, yep, yeah, we'll go for it. So we actually were in there for six weeks with a full uh, TV uh, crew following everything that we did. So we did all our workshops. We did one day where we brought in business owners, very similar to what you did, coming in and helping the guys do their pitch. Uh, we did a whole Dragon's Den thing with Ross Kent was on the panel and the governor was on the panel, but that didn't get shown. And the guys did presentations of their business ben ideas. Ben was telling me that got pulled. Yeah. Mm. Um, and what it was is we had a prize of £1,000 to be given to one of the guys on release. And half that money came from the Centre for Entrepreneurship and we put up half the money. And obviously we can't say the name of the guy who won, but the guy who won, he is going to set up a gym in Salford, up yeah. in Manchester Way. And he's going to get kids of about 11 or 12 that potentially could get into trouble. And he's going to get them into boxing, employment mm. training, and all the rest of it. And, and we thought that was amazing. So There's not enough of those gyms anymore. Exactly mate, right, 100%. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there was a couple in Fulham where I grew up. And, you know, if you were good, you'd go to the better ones, yeah, that, you know, yeah. whatever. And um, But they're not there no more, are they? You know, like, there used to be a boys club in Fulham called Brunswick Boys Club. I mean, it's mm. still there. But, I mean, it used to do... Oh, it's a Brunswick club now because yeah. it's inclusive, so it's uh, it's not as yeah, it was. Yeah. But in the Brunswick Boys Club, down, I mean, I mean, I, I like to think they still got my photos on the wall with the goals I've scored. I don't know, but <laughs> but you would go there for football, you go exactly. there for boxing, you exactly. go there to be kept off the yeah. out of the flats and off the streets, and and it was, you know, it was a tough old place at times. You mm. had all the big rough kids from the estates in the years above, but you had people there that genuinely give a shit. You know, I don't, I don't care, I'm going to swear on this. They cared about you, they cared about the community, and they wanted to get good football teams out, but also they wanted to keep you out of trouble. Definitely. You know, and, and that really did. So if someone can use you, that, that Belmarsh experience, which, you know, for, for whatever reason they're in there, but come out, you know, some people might do the inside job recruitment, but if they're coming out and going right back to the old school, getting people off the streets and, and training the mind and discipline, what a great story that is. And the big, the big deal with that is that what you find, there's a big lack, and this will probably go back to what you were saying about Fulham, the, the boys club there, there seems to be a lack of male mentors yeah. with younger people, and you see that within when you see people in prison a lot. That's why a lot of them get into gangs, because yeah. the older kids are in the yeah. gangs and they look up to them. But also, having that peer mentor. So yeah. very much, you when you came into the prison, you run a business, you know what it's like. Mm. And one of the things uh, people in prison are very good at is seeing who's authentic and who isn't. Yeah. So that's why when you came in, like you said, you say, look, this is where I come from, this is what mm. I do. Um, they see through it very quickly. So these young lads who will be working with this guy will know that that guy's yeah. been through it. Yeah. So we think that's really important and powerful too. Mm. So, 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 so let's talk about the... the the show itself, you know, yeah. did, did it, you know, your personality is in there, so, so Ross gets dropped here, what was he like to work with? Yeah, we, we didn't see too much of him, we saw him, we spent a day with him on the Dragon's Den thing, um, I think he's quite genuine about, mm. he really cares about what the causes are, he's mm. not one of these people that just reacts saying, oh, all these bad people in prison, he really gets some of the so, underlying stuff. So he's beyond stuff. being the front man, like Definitely. he's not just the Definitely. presenter, he's looking yeah. there. Yeah, I mean he was in there for months. Yeah. Um, uh, he, yeah, he's very professional at what he does. Um, I think in terms of the programme itself, is it 
they obviously have to put a lot of drama in there. So you're yeah. seeing a lot of things of, you know, uh, people, all the prison officers on a wing and the bells going off. But actually, Belmarsh, compared to some of the other prisons we work in, is actually pretty well run. Because mm. it's got a Category A bit, it's actually better staffed. Yeah. So, you know, in comparison to some other prisons, it's uh, it does pretty well. Mm. Fantastic. And what's the response been? I mean, myself and Ben were talking while your bus was on fire, or the, the alleged bus. We haven't, we haven't, we haven't checked that out on their drone. Cal will back me up. Yeah, on that one. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll, be, he'll be backing you up. He's nodding away. He'll be backing you up all day long. Yeah. Um, but what, what, yeah. what's been the reaction afterwards? It's been really, really positive. I mean, we're we're only on there for sort of five minutes or so, but it follows a very positive narrative mm. of how yeah. we try to change a few guys' lives, etc. We've had, I mean, as Benno was saying, some of the most powerful stuff we've had is actually people who've been on our course in the past, yeah. saying, I've not, I've, I'm now running a carpentry business and I've been clean and I've been back in prison. So that's been really good to hear. But we've also had what's been amazing, and yourself included, is so many people have just said, we want to help you out. Mm. Um, you know, we've had ex-offenders who've written books, have got in touch with us. Mm. We've had people in businesses, had all sorts um, and we've also had some interest in the industry, so you know a few prisoners have been in touch with us saying, you know, maybe you could come in and do some similar stuff. Where, where does your to, to to deliver the schemes you're delivering, to to make it work? Where does the funding come from? <laughs> I, I mean, I know I, 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 I asked yeah. this to our charity of the year, Chestnut Tree House, and yeah. like, you know, and and they, you know, I was just wow. So I'm, I've got to ask. I'm just yeah, interested. definitely. Uh, well, we did Belmarsh for nothing. Yeah, yeah. We didn't okay. get paid to do that. We didn't even get paid expenses. But we thought it was a good way of getting our business yeah. out there. Um, where does our funding come? Our main funding comes from a program called the Health and Work Program, right. which is a way for getting people very far away from the job market into employment. And we're specialist self-employment advisors for a charity called the Shore Trust, who run that contract. So we run that all over the country. We sort of Birmingham, Leicester, uh, Kent, Sussex, and West London. Um, we also, with Restart, that was the one with the choirs, uh, the lady who runs Beating Time, she's the most amazing fundraiser. She's like a dog with a bone, so she's gone round. So we get some funding from KPMG and other donations and stuff like that through that, that funds that programme. Um, we also, we do stuff for uh, Thames Valley Housing Association. They pay us to work with their residents, etc. Mm -hmm. But it is a constant battle. It's yeah. a constant battle because... Um, I, you know, they say with charities, isn't it? It's uh, animals and kids. So when you're trying to raise money for helping ex-offenders, sometimes it doesn't go down as well. But what we want to do is make it sustainable, and that's why we may be talking about later our management development programme. Yeah. Uh, we, did, we really will. I think just, just, just finishing it off, I mean, we were speaking on the phone, Phil, and you said yeah. something to me that if we went back in time, you know, if you say you went back 70 years or just, just coming out of the Second World yeah, War, yeah. then we... We looked at the prison service and the way it worked. We could, you do it. It probably would be better done completely opposite to how it's done. Is what you said to me, wasn't it? It's, it's, it's hundred and ten percent. Could be turned completely around. Completely. I mean, it, it, it is a dysfunctional system because I think mm. it's sixty, seventy percent reoffend in the first year. As I say, that <clears throat> that can cost forty five grand a year. It's a billion mm. billion a pound industry. And when you look at other countries, it's like you know places like the Netherlands and Sweden are actually shutting their prisons down. Mm. Or they're doing it, they're becoming more like secure training places for rehabilitation mm. and all the rest of it. You've got a huge amount of mental illness within mm. prisons where people should maybe be in hospital. Uh, ex-services, the amount of ex-services you go through the prison system. 
We worked with uh, an ex-soldier, he was in Lewis Prison, and I remember him saying, he said that, um, very similar story, mm. ended up getting into trouble, uh, ended up in prison, and one thing he said, he goes, he didn't like prison, he'd never say he did, but it gave him a bit of security, yeah. and he said the wings are like regiments, yeah. he gets told what to do, and like yeah. he, obviously he didn't like prison, but there was yeah. a very similar similar sort of regime that he found quite comfortable. So I'll ask, you, very sad. I'll ask you both a question, and then I there's no right or wrong answer, but if you could change anything, what, what would you change, like tomorrow? <clears throat> right, tomorrow. Um, well, reverse the cuts in funding mm. for the criminal justice system. I mean, they've been cut by 30% of staff were cut in prisons since 2010, so obviously that's why you've seen yeah. this, this chaos in the prisons. Uh, but what I'll do is properly funded intensive rehabilitation. And that costs money. There's no getting around it. Um, the Centre for Entrepreneurship presented their report up to Parliament. We, we went up to that meeting. And what they're saying is for quite small investment, you can get a lot back. So if they have properly funded specialist entrepreneur programmes in every single prison, meaning uh, support on the out as well, the actual cash back that you would get by non-reoffending, people creating wealth, jobs, mm -hmm. etc. But until that penny drops... You're seeing great organisations, not just uh, in self-employment, but all sorts of other things, whether that's drug rehabilitation, employment, small organisations grabbing around for bits of money in different regions of the country. And what you need is proper funding and bringing all that expertise together. But that's still got to be worth investing in, isn't it? 100%. Long may continue. It's Thank really you. good to hear that. For many years, the hiring process in KBB and construction supplies has remained static. That is, until now. Boyne Jones Video is quickly transforming the historical and somewhat boring approach to recruitment often seen in our sectors. The introduction of video software built and specifically designed for the recruitment process is revolutionising the way forward-thinking employers attract and engage new staff. Working with Boyne Jones will give you the access to the best candidates improve pre-screening, reduce your time to hire, and save you money. Video is the future of recruitment. It's so much more powerful than a CV. Visit foynjones.com for all the details. We are Foyne Jones. This is what we do. We're going to talk about how your mentoring and management development programme can really improve employees in my sector, but try and, you know, Listen for the, for the CEOs, the MDs, the HR directors, the learning development directors that are listening. You've got a training program here which involves mentoring, it involves management development, and it puts someone way outside of their comfort zone. It's not an outward bounds, can we jump over this little gap, gap in the cliff, or can we do a tough mudder? This is actually putting someone in a in an emotional situation which they might not have even thought of doing before, but can make a difference for the, for the greater good. Ben and Phil, can you take as much time as you need to talk to me about your mentoring and management development programme, what it's about, who's involved, what's in it for them, what's in it for you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'll give you a bit of background how it started. It was uh, Legal and General, whose uh, offices, I think, have got offices in Hove, they approached us and they said, we hear you're doing something interesting in prisons, how can we help you out? And it would have been very easy to say, uh, give us some money to do some nice things, and then that money runs out, and then we're back to square one again. So what we did is we thought we'll do something a bit more powerful. So what we, we asked them, we said, give us some of your senior managers. We'll put you on a two-day mentoring course. So that mentoring course is all around listening skills, all about questioning skills, 
all these sort of things and about mentoring but also how to mentor people with additional barriers as well so everything from security issues to confidence building and all these sort of things so we put them on the two-day course and then what Benna would do is that she would match them with the mentees so these are the people going through a self-employment program in the prison uh, Benna do you want to just talk about the matching yeah so how it works is Phil would do the course so he'd get to know the mentees I would get to know the mentors so I usually meet with them one-to-one in the corporate and um, then we'd have a chat I'd speak to Phil about the mentees and I would try and match them to see who would best fit who and then we would all meet in a room together and if there was anything kind of outside of that if somebody said actually no I don't want to be matched with that person or whatever you know whatever came up and um, so yeah we'd eventually sort of match them all together then in dependent on who we did it with so mm. we did it with um, Lewis sorry John Lewis and legal and general in different places so we did some of the work in the prison with legal and general and then we ended up doing some work in probation and Brighton probation and then also um, in Milton Keynes with um, that was with John Lewis wasn't yeah. it so yeah so we've done the matching together and then what I would do is I would go in say it was in the prison in Lewis prison and I facilitate the process so I would be there with the mentor and the mentee and we'd just they'd just be chatting so it'd be their session completely and I'd just be kind of on the periphery and then after the session I would do like a bit of a feedback to the mentor to say I think this worked I think that wasn't so great or whatever and then that would go on over a period of three months and then we do a bigger report at the end and we check in with them in the interim period so but it was just incredible how powerful it was there were so many kind of soft skills and bits and pieces that we never thought in a million years were going to come out of it we just thought yeah this is an obvious kind of good thing to do would be, would be so so Off important scale. hearts and minds yeah. and and taking and, uh, i've got a question though you know when you're matching mentor with mentee what kind of triggers and and things are you looking for look you know let's say i'm you know i'm 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 i'm, I'm, I'm about to release and i want to set up a I don't know, I want to set up a mechanics. What, what would you, who would you match me up with? What would you be looking for, for for someone like me? Yeah, it's kind of totally dependent. I have to say, I work quite intuitively like yeah. that, which Phil hates. Is that, is that feeling, <laughs> is that feeling again, yeah. isn't it? Ben is brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it really is. It's yeah. just kind of, yeah, psychological. It's the person, but, but we do psychometrics as well, yeah. as a bit of a guide. That's part of the course. Because sometimes yeah. I've, I've, I've noticed when I've mentored people and trained people, I don't work very well with personalities like me. Actually, if it's a training, I, yeah. I, I tend to be able to, because I'm very visual, right? So, mm. so I write lots of things on walls and I get quite quite like that. So that works with some people, but not others. Yeah. And yeah. I have to, even just in Foy Jones, I have to adjust my style differently mm. to, to who I'm working with. And that's, mm. And that'd be interesting when you're making those decisions, aren't you? It's about really getting to know the people as well, because mm. I've done life coaching and business coaching. I kind of like really get in there, you know, I'll really ask them pertinent questions and kind of just get to know them as people. And then it's mm. kind of like more of a sense. So, of so companies signing up, they're getting the benefit of, you know, so you've got life coaching experience, you've got, you know, so you're, you're, you're bringing all that into all angles. It's, and what, it's an amazing service, isn't it? Uh, what, what we found is when we ran our first programme, we evaluated it with legal and general, and loads of stuff came out of it that we didn't really expect, but it was a real mm. positive. So it started off very much as a corporate social responsibility mm. programme, but by the end of it, it was definitely more management development. And the things that came out was, one, a lot of the senior managers really learnt around mentoring, which is coming mm. a much bigger thing in the corporate world. Um, but also cross-functional skills. So you might get an accountant having to talk about websites and marketing, or a marketing person having to do cash flow forecasts with their guy. And what we also found as well is that when we were working with the mentors, then a lot of corporate worlds, everyone works in a bit of a silo. Mm. 
So you might get someone in the finance department and someone in the marketing department who've never spoken to each other, but suddenly they're part of this quite intensive program. They form really powerful links. And it's also, it worked both ways, that the mentees got more confidence, but a lot, especially the middle managers, got more confidence too. And one of the guys came up with something really fascinating, that he was a bit of a high flyer, and he said that when he was presenting to the board, he got quite nervous. And his mentee was someone who's had drug and alcohol problems, homelessness, mental illness, mm. all this sort of stuff. And he literally, after a while, came out of prison and said, what am I worried about? Yeah. So, and his boss actually said that his confidence levels had yeah. gone up quite considerably. So, and just like you said, this isn't a raft building day. This yeah. is something really, really quite powerful. So a lot of the people actually have a much wider perspective, especially I, I, like we've worked with yeah. KPMG on a light, lighter touch level yeah. of what we do. And some the the change of the guys that came in, the mentors, was almost more than the mentees. Yeah. It changed my mindset when I, when I come out of that, that session at Lewis. I still talk about it. I remember because I walked, you know, yeah, so it yeah. wasn't far for me to walk home. It was just down down the side street. But I remember walking home thinking, like, do you know what? Like, I made a difference in that couple of hours. Not mm. not 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 in an evangelical way. Mm. The world's a better place, but just in that little isolated period of time, where you could see the atmosphere change or whatever. Yeah. I just walked away thinking. You know, I've come out of different meetings. I've been and, I, and people. I, I get bored easy. I'm bored. I switch off. I, you know, I, I zone out. I think about mm. other things. But but I was engaged all the way through. And, and and I come out of there thinking that doesn't matter what I do for the rest of the month. Like like what I've mm. done there. Yeah, there's a bit of CSR, but actually it made me feel that you know there's 100%. there's something you can do. And and I'm and I'm and, I'm, and I think that the businesses I work with and I will recruit for some amazingly successful companies. But some of their line managers and some of their hiring managers are not the best trainers, they're not the best coaches, they're not the best mm. salespeople. They're good at what they do, but they don't yeah. have that all-round dashboard of skills which yeah. can help accelerate them all the way to the top. Yeah. And sometimes that's, that's as simple as the ability to listen and retain information. 100%. Or it can be you know, to think smart, think outside the box, think, think a little bit abstractively, mm. rather than following process where you can become, and I use this term a lot, some of the corporate employees we work with, certainly from a job seeking perspective, you're saying to them, man, we've got to try and de skill you. You're like institutionalised. You, That's right. You've got to stop talking that this is the only way you do stuff because you know what? It isn't. You can do that in over 10 different ways and make money, but you're just following the process you've been taught. So you start clearing their mind and getting them into an interview situation where they think differently. Bang. And that's no different to working yeah. with the people that, that you're going to set them up with. But it's deep breath, isn't it? You, you know, yeah. you, you can get Trevor and Janet who are like in the, yeah, you yeah. know, they're in the HR team or the sales team yeah. of a, a big corporate, and you're saying, right, you know, next week you're in Ford and you're dealing with yeah. you're dealing with six fellas who are going to be released in a month's time. Bang! So there is that deep breath, and I, you know, I guess the right. I don't think someone would need to. Could, could, it would work if they were told they were going to go on it. I think Correct. they've got to. This I one. want, you know, well, yeah. for the benefit yeah. of people yeah. who haven't yeah. got a camera, I wave yeah, my hand. Yeah. You've got to do star jumps and say, I want to do this, yeah. please, boss, haven't you? It was, really, it was really interesting. Yeah. A lot of people that came on, their main concern and issue was things like, oh, well, I don't know enough about business or I haven't set up yeah. my own business, I only work in accounts or I only do this yeah. or whatever. But it was really interesting to see when we sat down and we went, don't worry about that. This is not yeah. why you're here. This is why we're here. Yeah. We provide yeah. the business support. But then, yeah, what they got out of it longer term was like, that was a forgotten yeah. memory. They did couldn't they, even believe it, they'd asked that question. Did, did, anyone have any, any, uh, did anyone have any real concerns over their safety, over their own welfare? You know, what, I'd like to do it, but... 
you know, yeah. what if this happens? Yeah. What very if that happens? So. We're, we're we're very very sensitive to that. Yeah. So, for, I think for example, I mean, some types, some types, some types, some, yeah. ty- some people came into it saying, "I don't know, mind what offence they've had," but some people, from maybe personal experience, would say, "I wouldn't want to work with that particular yeah. offender." But that's entirely up to the mentor. We're yeah. we're very sensitive to that. Um, but what was interesting was that a lot of the mentors had real, quite deep reasons for doing it. Yeah. Like they might have had a nephew who's inside yeah. or they might have been a little bit in trouble yeah. themselves. So there's some really quite powerful drivers yeah. and it has to be voluntary. Yeah. yeah. And just getting back to the recruitment thing, one of, uh, we're talking to a couple of construction companies. So there's huge skill shortages yeah. in certain industries. Big time, mate. So what we think would be a brilliant fit, if we could work with a construction company, but all the guys that are on our programme, the mentees, are training up to be in construction, self-employed contractors yeah that could almost be a recruitment process because it would be a three month interview effectively mm. so they could actually select the people there, that maybe end up working not for a them company in in my sector you know i've, I've got two distinct sectors i've got kitchen bedroom and bathroom yeah. and i've got construction supplies so you know whilst those companies are not the on-site based contractors they are selling to them on a daily basis yeah. those guys on site could not build anything if these companies weren't putting their products on yeah. there so there's not a conversation I have in that world where people don't say, well, 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 where companies don't say we need more people, there's no conveyor belt, where's the future, where's the next generation, where are they? And that's at all different levels. So I think you've got a, I believe for our audience, you've got a pathway to reach out to companies within construction, companies within construction supplies, companies within kitchens, bedrooms and bathrooms, where while some of the people that you're working with might want to be in a high-end showrooms designing and selling bathrooms and kitchens, they may actually have a pathway in the other way where they can be using the practical skills to actually be installing them, managing the projects and Perfect. doing the work yeah. there. Because, yeah. again, that, that's an important part of that process. We can, you know, you, two, you guys can come in and I can sell and design you the most beautiful kitchen, you know, but if I don't get it done on time and it's not there for your first dinner party, you're unlikely to want to pay me. You're certainly not going to recommend me to your friends and family right. and, sure. and social groups. So, so there are so many different routes. And if by giving mentors the chance to work with mentees, you're taking people out of, out of prison and giving them a chance, fair play to you. And also, you know, some companies or people might not want to work with prisoners or ex-offenders. We could do this with ex-services. We could do this with lone parents. We could do this with other groups as well. And also, we've now got the... Oh, you've got me really passionate now. I'm thinking about science. But there's, you know, because we we, will come on to it later, but I'm I'm going to get back involved to some some degree, and we'll talk about that. But but I do think there's, there's definitely a way we can push some stuff together and do that there, because... You've got a lot to you've got a lot to offer, but but if I'm listening, right? So I'm yeah. I'm driving, I'm on the M4, and I'm in I'm in traffic. I'm like, Jonesy's on again. Well, who's his guest this week? You know, oh, this is interesting. You know, so oh, what my LD department getting in touch with you? I like to get in touch with you myself. What's the best way? Is it through your website? Is it pick the phone up through the front door? Yeah. You know, a LinkedIn celebrity feel. Can we get you through yeah, there? Yeah, of course, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, just one thing about the uh, management development program that I haven't mentioned is we've now got it accredited. Okay. So if a mentor went on it, they get Institute of Learning and Management level three in leadership and mentoring. So there is actually a CPD qualification attached to it now. Uh, but how to get in touch with us? Our website is always the best way. Our email addresses are on there. Uh, so that's www.enterpriseexchange.org.uk. Uh, we've got a section about the management development program. Uh, we're very clear that we will tailor our program to what the learning needs of the organisation is. So if you an organisation wanted to do it in a different way, we're completely flexible on that. 
That is brilliant. Listen, thank you so much for sharing that with us. That's been a brilliant part of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we've managed to include Canon, my favourite part of the show, although it's it's still a great part of the show. Some of the things we'll be talking about here are really powerful, so I won't say it's more important, but we've got a football fan in the room, we've got lots of football fans in the room, but we're going to talk about Phil Ashford and your love for a certain football team. That certain team, the Royals, that's right, isn't that's it? That's correct. So we're going to talk about yourself and Reddy, and we're going to do it in five quick-fire <laughs> questions. It's like a penalty shootout. There's no right or wrong answers. So, penalty number one, Phil. Why are you a Reading fan? Why am I a Reading fan? Is that when I was at school, um, one of the older kids, one of the kids in my year, his older brother used to pop up to Elm Park, and um, I used to just love watching football, so I used to go all over London just watching clubs and stuff like that. And then I just started going to Reading because it was just up the road because I was living in Slough at the time. And it just got more and more regular. And all my mates from school started to come along as well. And that's 40 years ago. So I'm still season ticket older with the same mates that I was going to that showing I went to school with. There you go, yeah. mate. Showing your age. Um, so, question two. 40 years of supporting. Who would you say is your favourite player, past or present? I have to say it is Trevor Senior who back in the 80s was our top scorer. He was a big, tall bloke, not the most uh, silky-skilled player ever, but he actually scored 36 goals in one season. So where we used to stand is a South Bank. Whenever Trevor used to score, he used to come over. Yeah. And uh, even to this day, all my mates, uh, he might not be the technically the best player, yeah. but he's the one we always remember but you, the most. But you, you have a cult hero, don't you, for yeah, every yeah, year. Yeah. There's a player that the fans just resonate with. What's the best goal you've ever seen for penalty number three? Wow. Uh, we had a player called Billy Whitehurst. He was uh, a big Northern lad. He sounds a Northern he lad. He does. He's Whitehurst. a big Northern lad. Don't sound and, like uh, he's from Hove, does he? And that's right. <laughs> yeah. And um, he scored from the halfway line once. Really? Yeah. But there is also... Um, we had a player called Super Mickey Conroy. He scored from the halfway line away to Wickham. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I never saw the goal, but uh, again, I never even saw him play. But the other legend at Reading is a guy called Robin Friday. And apparently he scored one of the best goals ever seen. Okay, yeah. so so Just far... Just want to give him a mention. I'm going, to give, I'm going to give you all three penalties. So <laughs> you're a Reading fan because your mates took you there and they were yeah, your local yeah. club, which is the right reason to support a football team. Your your favourite um, ever player is Trevor Senior. A tall, tall number nine, wasn't he? That's I think it, he was. Yeah. And the best goal was Billy Whitehouse. Um, number, number four, I love this question. When did Reading make you cry? When did they last make you cry? Uh, Yesterday. No, no. When they last make me cry, I think, was when, back in 1988, you probably won't even remember this, but there used to be a competition called the Simul Cup. Of course I remember the Simul Cup. And Reading won it. We won it at Wembley, and it's the first time Reading had ever been at Wembley. We took 40,000, it was still the terracing there, and we beat Luton 4-1, and that was a very good Luton team. They yeah, ended yeah. up going to the League Cup yeah, final yeah, and all yeah. the rest of it. We got relegated that, that day. We got relegated that, that year. All the Steens in that Reading team. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, and, uh, so I remember so the Seymour Cup. 
the Leyland Daft Cup, the Sherpa Vans Cup, the, the Mercantile Credit That's Trophy. Yeah. Do you remember that one yeah. at the end of the season? And Fulham were a one-time winner. She's so bored. Look, Benny, I, so know, bored. I know Fulham, where you're coming Fulham from. Fulham were a one-time winner in Intertoto, <laughs> mate. And we've got Liverpool singing, you know, we won it five times. We sing Intertoto, we won it one time. That's right. I always yeah. say uh, Liverpool, Man United have never won the Simul Cup. That's it, mate. Yeah. So, just just to finish things off, and this is, the, this is, my, this is just the funnest question out of all five. We know, that you're, we know why you're a Reading fan. We know when they made you cry. We know about Billy Whitehouse. We, we know about the Simon Cup. What's your favourite song from the Terraces? <laughs> favourite song? Um, Sweet Molly Malone, I think. It's a bit of a Reading favourite. Phil Ashford from Enterprise Exchange. HMP Belmarsh, thank you very much. Phil Bennett, thank you so much for coming thank on today's you. podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I have a kind of passionate interest in what you do because I believe everyone deserves a second and third and fourth chance. And I believe in situations people make the wrong decisions for the right reasons and sometimes they make the wrong decisions for the wrong wrong reasons, but doesn't necessarily make them wrong ones in my language. So so what you're doing makes a difference. Um so far today, in, in, in just the one episode, we've got to know you as people, you know, the, the stories behind why you're doing what you're doing. We've talk, spoke about the amazing work Enterprise Exchange does. We learnt about the story behind your involvement with HMP Belmarsh and, and why you were there and the difference it's made. Your development and mentoring and management programme will reach out to lots of my listeners. We've had a bit of fun on the on the penalty shootout, then we can. Yeah. I mean, he, he, you know, that, that that's in his blood, Reading, and you can just tell. You can just tell. Um, and we'll get you along to a full and Reading game if we end up playing again next season. Because I think we yeah. played them twice already. That's right. We? But just to finish the podcast, this is your time now. Is there any closing message you want to just 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 share with us to the listeners? We just love what we do, mm. and we love working with people who love what they do. So we're just really interested in talking to anybody who wants to support us in that. We just love to support as many people as we possibly can. We've supported thousands in the 10 years we've been together. That's really Working powerful. together. Thank so, you, Ben. Yeah. Phil, anything you know? uh, Yeah, just, uh, just reiterating what Ben has said. We're passionate about what we do. And the more people get involved in it themselves, like yourself, the better it is for the people we help, but also for the people that come in and help as well. Well, let's crystallise that. I am going to get back involved. Um, I, I spoke, spoke powerfully about that time many years ago when I did get involved. That's been far too long. I will support you. I will get involved in some of your mentoring programmes. I'll work with offenders or ex-offenders, whatever you need me to do. Um, just give me the details and I'll be there. And I'll make sure we share what we're doing with as many people so they can see the difference it makes. That's, That's amazing, Peter. Thanks, Thanks so, so much. much. That's the end of today's show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. So that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Foyne Jones by visiting our website or connecting with me on LinkedIn. We at Foyne Jones, this is what we do.